Good morning, everyone. Pastor Tim here at Faith Community, and uh, I trust that you are well right here in the middle of this hot July. And I know that uh, also in the middle of this crazy pandemic that we are all in this together, facing all of the challenges and limitations. And I just wonder how it is with your outlook right now on life. You know, every now and then we kind of need an attitude adjustment. You know, perspective makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Uh, I'll never forget the time I was flying into Port Columbus. I had been at a training uh, at a conference down in Florida, and there was a group of us that had been sent down to go through this training, and we'd been there all week. I was anxious to get back, really tired, really had a lot of things to do the next day in the church and things that were going on, and so I was really looking forward to getting back. And as we're approaching Port Columbus, it's a, it's a wonderful day, lots of visibility, and I can tell down below that there is a colossal traffic jam. And my heart sunk. I thought this was on I-70. And I thought, it's going to take me forever to get home. And I was looking down. I could see people that were out of their vehicles. This has obviously been going on a while. People are standing and some straining, trying to get a glimpse of what it was that was up ahead that was preventing the traffic from flowing. And people were even seated along the, the median. And I, you know, I, I continued to just feel so bad about that, felt for these people. And this went on, it appeared to be for miles. And as we continued downrange, uh, approaching Columbus uh, and the airport, I happened to notice what the problem was. It was a traffic accident. And unknown to the people down below, I could tell that just as we were passing over, the last car was being removed. And suddenly I breathed this sigh of relief because I thought as soon as I get in, uh, we taxi, we get into the terminal, I'm able to get my bags and able to get to my vehicle, the traffic is once again going to begin flowing through this area. The people didn't realize it down there. And isn't it true that we are so earthbound? And I got to tell you, our perspective in life makes all the difference in the world. You know what? If the only tool you have is a hammer, you're probably going to see every problem as a nail. And it's amazing how our perspective, how our outlook, the lenses that we look through in this life, we are so limited and today we come in our scripture to one of the most miraculous stories, I think, of, of the gospel here of John. Uh, this is an incredible event that takes place in uh, our world, in among these people who love Jesus. And we're going to talk about it today. And we need it, don't we? We need this text today. We're in the middle of this sermon series. We're calling it Unraveled. Because it seems like our lives sometimes start to unravel. I mean, who out there hasn't had these moments where you had these great plans? You had everything just kind of like organized. You knew what you wanted to do. And all of a sudden, something throws you a curveball out of nowhere and your whole world starts to crumble. I mean, sometimes it's like people take your heart out and they stomp on it and there's agony, there's misery, there's deep heartache, there's pain, there's physical problems and there's emotional problems. And you know, I've got good news for you today because Jesus can bring 
healing to your life. Folks, there is a better way. There is a better way. There is hope for you. There is fulfillment to, to be had. There is joy to experience. There is true and real hope to know today. And it's in the person of Jesus Christ. And in this series, we are looking at these amazing stories. The healing ministry of Jesus. How he can bring healing to your physical body. He can bring healing, my friends, to your emotional soul. But also, and especially, he can bring spiritual healing. And we need that today. We all need the presence of Christ in our life. We need to be born again. We need to come to Jesus today, and I hope you'll do that. Now, from a ground-level view, there is no event that is more sobering, more alarming, more final, and yet so sure than the end of life. And we do anything, don't we, to extend life? I mean, we try to even prevent the aging process. We go and find creams, and we seek pills, and we do exercise, and, and we do everything we can to extend life. Uh, to find any kind of treatment option out there to help us with the pain that we have and uh, any kind of cure. We'll travel across the country. We'll seek out certain doctors. We'll do anything we can. And in this text here that we find in John 11, Mary and Martha are doing just that. They are seeking the Lord for their world has come unraveled. This one that they love, Lazarus, is greatly ill and dying. And they're reaching out to Jesus, just like any of us would do. If we had been there, we would be seeking the Lord for sure. Because at this point, we know in the text that he's turned water into wine. He's fed the 5,000. He's walked on water. He's healed the lepers. He made the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And all of that makes little difference, however, in the face of what really matters most. Because here we're coming to the end of life. And when it comes down to, uh, to it, we want Jesus, don't we, to be there with us in that moment. Now, this is the seventh miracle in the Gospel of John, and it offers proof to us that Jesus is not only Lord of this world, but he's also Lord of the next. He's not only Lord of today, but Lord of our tomorrows. And Jesus is there when we need him most. And when this story opens, we learn here about this friend of Jesus who has died. And the rest of this story, the rest of John 11 is like a script out of, the, of a Hollywood movie. Now, I want to challenge you here as, as we share, as we reflect some on this powerful chapter of the Bible to really alter your perspective to give an attitude adjustment, to give your heart to the Lord here. Now, I see in this text at least three reasons here that we find that we shouldn't fear death. But the first thing I want us to note here about this story is the whole idea that when Jesus learned about this illness, Jesus waited. In fact, by the time the scripture tells us here that Jesus arrived here at Bethany, Lazarus had been dead four days. The odor of death, as you can imagine, would have been pervasive. Four days, now this is important to understand here about this context. Four days was the point that everyone would have realized that a person was deceased. You see, there was a popular myth back in that day that the spirit stayed with a person up until three days. But on the fourth day, 
the spirit would depart the body. And this was a popular myth that was present back in the day, and Jesus would have been well aware of this. And so he waited four days here, maybe perhaps, so there would be no question that the fact that he there was able to revive Lazarus from the dead would be clear to all people. Notice I said revive. This is a revivication here of, of Lazarus in this story. Uh, we talk about resurrection, but in our Judeo-Christian perspective, we are resurrected to uh, immortal bodies, a, a body that is uh, glorious. But here we're talking about uh, a revived Lazarus. And Jesus here, finally, the scripture teaches us, reaches Bethany, which is the home of Lazarus. You know, one of the most precious things in life is home, isn't it? And I know for some of you right now, it hasn't been too much of a bother with you, this pandemic, because you like being at home. You're more of an introvert. You're a little bit more reserved. You enjoy being at home. But uh, we find here the Bible describing our bodies as tents. Our bodies are tents. These earthly temples are temporary, and they're like tents. Now, tents can be a wonderful home. I can remember when I was a kid, we had a little green pump tent and, and we would go out in it and play. And, and when uh, our kids were much uh, smaller, we had a large tent and I remember putting it up and we camped out in the backyard and a terrible storm went by and I got to tell you, it was a night of misery. I mean, uh, my days, uh, the idea of staying in a tent is at the Marriott Hotel, if you know what I'm talking about. But tents, I want you to know, are temporary. And while they are wonderful for their intended purpose, you don't expect to live in one of these forever. You want your posturpedic. You, you want your sleep number bed. You soon long to go home and live in a house, something that's permanent, something that's sturdy, something that's glorious. And you need Jesus, my friends, in your life so that when these short-term vessels give out, when your tent is no more, then your soul has a foreign address a place that's prepared for you. You need Jesus in your life. Now, Jesus waited, and in this story, I think here you find an inkling of, of the first reason to not fear death as a believer, and that is you die within the circle of God's love. It says here that these sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, notice here what is being said. They don't say uh, to Jesus, Jesus, get to Bethany right away. All they say is, Lord, the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. And the simple fact, you see, of human need brings Jesus to your side. That's an important point in this text. Jesus replies to the messengers here that, that come, this sickness will not end in death. And then John here adds this bit of commentary in verse 5, that Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loves Lazarus. And though Jesus loved Lazarus, that did not prevent his death. God's love toward us does not mean that we will be spared this experience, but his love abides with us throughout all eternity. That's the marvelous grace of God. In other words, our suffering is not inconsistent with the love of God. And you can be assured that the love of God will never abandon you. The Bible clearly teaches us that you will never be forsaken. The Lord loves you. I, I so much like 
you appreciate those words of Paul in Romans chapter 8. For it says here, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger of the sword? Should we add COVID-19? Should we add violence and racism and other things? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. You know, years ago, I was walking down a street in a neighborhood, and I was going to visit a family. I had been through this neighborhood many times, but this time I was on foot. And I, and I was walking, I was out of my vehicle and walking over to this home, and all of a sudden, this ferocious-looking dog came after me. And it was the size, I'm telling you, of a horse. This was a, a big dog, like you would want to put a saddle on it and ride. And its teeth were bared. It was barking. It was coming after me. But thank goodness, it just stopped. And I realized it was on a leash. I, I mean, the dog only came out so far in full force, and then it stopped. And you know, like Lazarus here, we also die within the context of, of the love of Christ. Our death, even though it should be sooner than expected here, doesn't reflect in an unfavorable way on Jesus here at all. Notice here that Jesus waited, but then notice something else the text indicates to us, that then Jesus went. Jesus went. In verse 7, Jesus says, it's time to go, he says to the disciples. And they say, but Rabbi... Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. And what does Jesus answer with these words? Are there not 12 hours of daylight? And a man who walks by day will not stumble. Now, here's where we begin to see, I think, a second reason not to fear death. Not only is it in the circle of God's love, but as believers, we die within the circle of God's providential walk. Now, this is a fascinating discovery because at this point, there is really a second time here that we find Jesus here talking about this idea of, of daylight, walking in light. If we had time, we'd go back to John 9, and in that chapter, you see him talking about the late daylight. And here in verse 9, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble. And Jesus is saying here, there is time enough to do the will of God. He's not saying that the greatest danger in life is not walking into a situation that may seem threatening, uh, that might appear to be the greatest danger. But here what Jesus is talking to us about is actually saying the greatest threat in life is not walking in the light that God has given to you. In other words here, you may suffer in the light, but it's far better than stumbling in the dark. And that not only hurts you physically, but Jesus is saying it hurts you spiritually. Your soul is going to die. You're going to be separated from the Lord. And Jesus finally makes his way to Bethany. And here we find great anguish. So not only does Jesus wait, and then he went, but then we come to this third part here where we find Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Now the Bible says in verse 33 that when Jesus finally arrives, he sees the sisters weeping. He sees the Jewish friends all there. They're all sobbing. They're emotionally disturbed. These people are grieving. For this guy named Lazarus was really loved by these people. And it's 
interesting here that we find about Mary. You know, every time we see Mary in the New Testament, she's humbling herself before the Lord. Here she's falling once again at his feet, humbling herself before Jesus. And these two sisters here, as we look at their life, we see how they respond to Jesus. You see some differences in the way they're responding. You see, one of them, Martha, went out immediately, the text says, to greet Jesus. She's more of the activist, while the other here waits to be called. Mary is kind of reserved, and she's kind of held back perhaps in the house. She's more of a contemplative type of person, and yet they seem to say the same thing. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Now, how often have we heard that in our life? If only the coulda, shoulda, woulda kind of scenario. Now, how many times we have said, if only, if only I had convinced them to go to the doctor sooner. If only they had had the surgery sooner. If only they had not been driving that evening. They wouldn't have got into that accident. We do not know the cause of Lazarus' illness here. Maybe it was a heart ailment. Maybe it was some type of disease. But when Jesus saw the sisters weeping and all the people there sobbing, the Bible says he was deeply moved and troubled. Now, there's some very interesting words here in the Greek language that's playing here. Deeply moved carries with it the idea of this deep indignation. And literally, the term here has the idea of to snort like a horse. I mean, it's kind of a loud snort, like when you're angry with something. Oh, a disgust here that death is in my way. Perhaps there is this kind of undertone of anger anger here or frustration but they bring Jesus to the grave and it says Jesus wept literally shed tears now I know that for a lot of you you've told me that the first Bible verse you memorized was John 3 16 but I'm going to tell you the first verse out of the Bible I memorized was John eleven thirty five. 35 Jesus wept uh, as a little guy there in Sunday school, I could get that one down pretty good and feel good about myself. Jesus wept. But did you know that this is not really the shortest verse in the Bible? That is, if you're looking at the Greek language, there's about three Greek words here that's translated in these two simple words, Jesus wept. But if you're looking at the Greek language, you have to turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5.16 where it says rejoice evermore. And there's only a couple of Greek words there, uh, short words uh, that you find there that give us this, but here we find in John eleven thirty five, 35, it's worth memorizing, isn't it? Maybe some could argue this is one of the most potent texts in all the scripture to memorize. We find Jesus weeping. It shows us the depth of who Jesus really is. And Jesus cried because he cared, because he loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. And he hurts for those who hurt. He weeps for those who weep. And even though Jesus understood things, that did really not understand uh, until he cried with them, right? Jesus here then says, I want you to take away the stone. Now, this is another interesting application here. Just like he said to the paraclete, take up your mat. If you believe you're healed, take up your mat and go forth. Or some of the other kinds of acts of faith Jesus challenges us to. And here, you believe in me, then you go and roll away the stone. And they do. And Jesus prays. And then he called out, the scripture says, in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
Now, a lot of people have made mention of the fact here, going all the way back to Augustine out of the 4th century, that it's really interesting that Jesus specifically calls Lazarus forth because if he had just said, come forth, maybe the whole cemetery would have emptied. But here we find yet a third reason in the middle of all this not to fear as a believer, not to fear death. When you die because you're in the circle of God's purpose, not only in the circle of God's love and God's providential walk, if you are a born-again believer, if you're following Jesus, you've repented of your sins and accepted Christ, you find yourself dying within the circle of God's purpose. Now, it's also interesting here to me at the beginning of this chapter that Thomas says, let's go and die with him. And then Caiaphas, let him die so that the nation will not perish. And then the sisters here, Mary and Martha, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. He wouldn't have died. The people in this chapter are all talking about death except Jesus. Jesus here is talking about life. Jesus stands powerfully in the midst of all of this talk about death. And he says, well, wait a minute. I am the resurrection. I am the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we soon or, or later realize we can't be citizens in this world forever. There's coming a time when our address is going to change. There's coming a moment here. God has this purpose here he's ushering in his kingdom in this we're in this temporary environment these temples that God has given to us and we look through a glass dimly and the truth is that we don't know exactly here what was Lazarus life like before this and after he emerged from his tomb I am sure that this guy was proclaiming shouting God's praises I mean, in fact, uh, the tradition kind of teaches us that, that the sisters here and Lazarus, they fled to Cyprus where he was later ordained by Paul and Barnabas and served for years as a bishop and was a, an incredible example and ambassador for Christ. And reportedly, he died again at age 60 and was buried in a sarcophagus with the inscription there, four-day Lazarus, friend of Jesus. Can you imagine that kind of biography? But whatever happened, we imagine Lazarus here, he spent the rest of his second life devoted to telling other people about this amazing healer of Jesus Christ, his friend. He woke to a new reality in Jesus I want to ask you again today, how is it with your perspective on life? What is your outlook in life really all about? You know, my prayer is that you would awake, my friends, to this healing person of Jesus Christ who wants to reach out and touch you, your brokenness. He wants to reach out and, and, and the pain. He wants to provide comfort. He's grieving with you. He's shedding tears for you. And you know what? We weave in time. We will wear in eternity. For if you live wrong, you cannot die right. Those that are prepared to die are the most prepared to live. And I wonder today, are you prepared to die? Are you prepared to meet Jesus? You know, back here a few years ago, I noted a story where they said, 
uh, one of every five gift card recipients never used their gift card. Now you're thinking, wait a minute, that's, that's crazy. But that amounted to almost a billion dollars. I mean, they figured it up. There was something like $972 million that went unspent. Here was a gift that someone had given you in the form of a card. And you know the top reasons were they said that the, uh, a card expired. And uh, some said they lost the card. 37% said they didn't find anything they wanted, but a whopping 50% said they just didn't have time. They were so busy, they couldn't do anything with their card. Folks, I want to say to you today that you still have time to get to know Jesus. I want you to know this is a, a challenging time for all of us. None of this is what any of us want. We're all being challenged today. We're being challenged about our perspective in life. And I want you to take a moment and really focus here on this person of Jesus Christ. Because I know we all need spiritual healing. And I trust today that you would come and that you would know Jesus. You would invite Jesus into your life. I want to pray for you right now and invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. Almighty God, we are so thankful for your holy word. We stand amazed, oh God, in all the ways that you come and you bring healing to these people as we read their stories here in the gospel, the, the, the folks that are lame and can't walk, the others, Lord, that are blind and can't see, those who are diseased with leprosy and others that can't hear, and yet even this one Lazarus who was sick and died, and yet you revived. Oh, how thankful we are, Lord, for these wonderful stories. And how grateful we are, oh God, that you come close to all of those in a time of need. And we pray for those that are joining us worship today. We know this is a very, very challenging time. We know that there's such limitations now that we have. And, and it's not business as usual. And there's a lot of isolationism. And there's a lot of uh, being separated from those that we love, not being able to gather at church and see one another. We know how challenging, Lord, this is right now. We just pray for your peace to just part way of all of the gloominess, all of the news, and, and Lord, rest your hand upon the souls of your people. And Lord, we pray for those that are broken today. We know many, Lord, that are in need of healing, and we believe in healing. Lord, we pray right now for those that are struggling, those that have just found out they've got a, an illness and a problem, for that one, Lord, that has cancer and having treatment, for others that are facing surgery. Lord, we pray for your healing. We pray for those emotional, uh, distraught people that are joining us today. We know, Lord, there's depression, there's fear and anxiety, there's those, Lord, that are feeling the weight of bitterness and the poison of cynicism and, and so many things, Lord, that are affecting people. And, Lord, we need emotional healing today. And I pray for each and every one, God, that are just going through a really time of great doubt. And for those that can't sleep and those, Lord, that are such in turmoil, they don't know what to do, they're so bewildered. I pray, God, for them right now. And, Lord, I pray especially for those who are hungry and thirsty, those, God, that need that spiritual 
awakening and revival in their heart. They've tried the ways of the world. They've sought happiness in so many different ways, and yet they found it all so unsatisfying. And God, I pray for them today that this would be the day that they would receive you. Your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May they come to you and may your peace, Lord, just come into their life. Grant them assurance today of forgiveness of sin and bless them today richly. We pray all these things in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.